0: greetings. Welcome to the Voice of the Infernal Empire. I'm your host, Emissary Zareel, aka Uazarel, Prince of Tomiel, third emissary of the name and an underworld king, incarnate for you on earth during the end times. I'm also the founding high priest of the Draconian Order of Black Magi. Join me, won't you, for a most unusual time. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of The Voice of the Infernal Empire. Tonight I'll be talking about being a vessel. There are four types of vessels, the incarnate, the walk-in, the medium or channel, and the perfectly possessed. Tonight I'll be talking about three, excluding walk-ins because they technically work the same way as incarnates do, without having incarnated. Please note... The Voice of the Infernal Empire will be moving to Saturdays at 11 to 11 p.m. Pacific. The next episode will be on Saturday, May 7th. You must be 18 years of age or your local age of majority to listen to this podcast. Stay tuned. Part 1. about what it's like to be a spirit medium, demonic medium, quality of channeling, a little bit about trust, working with Lucifer, what it's been like for me, and uh, the Baphomet spirit the Infernal Spirit. Stay tuned.
1: Part one. Spirit mediums and channeling. Really, you could also call it demon mediums.
0: To begin with, a demon is not a spirit. A spirit is a disembodied consciousness, an animating force without emotion, will, or the ability to really think things through. Demons have a type of soul, so technically they are not spirits. The term spirit, at least in my opinion, better fits disembodied entities that were separated from their soul or never had one. Perhaps they never incarnated due to waiting for a perfect soul match. spirit and soul may come into being at
1: different times. I'm going to talk about Lucifer as an example here
0: throughout part one. I'm not a full trans medium usually. Lucifer has permission to completely black me out and talk directly through me if he wants to, but he hasn't had the need to do so yet, and the pact with that permission is quite recent. Even though I myself am an incarnate, I'm also constantly possessed by Lucifer so that I can more easily communicate with him and connect with him quickly, as well as improve my relationship with him. Due to my work here, I have to be certain of certain things. Usually, I don't do a podcast even without going through it with him in case I got anything wrong. And of course, I can ask him questions. This is why I've had to do a great deal for this particular podcast.
1: When I do channel, no matter whom, sometimes something comes to me in a complete or
0: multiple complete full sentences without thinking at all. Very occasionally, I've transmitted messages as they came to me telepathically like a relay, waiting for the next words to come and then speaking them. Other times, it can be partly me and partly Baphomet or Lucifer or Lilith. I'm open to communication from them at all times. Usually a channeled piece is mostly the entity and partly me. Anywhere from 75 to 95% the entity and the rest me.
1: And that happens via writing, typically. Very rare that I speak and the words are
0: coming to me as I'm speaking. It does happen sometimes, but it is quite rare. Otherwise, it can be a couple of sentences seemingly out of nowhere that are telepathically communicated, and I write it all down exactly as given. The quality of channeling depends upon how much of yourself that you're willing to set aside in order to allow the other entity to speak through your voice or via writing. It's like what I call the coffee filter analogy as to how this is going to go. You don't have a teapot or a kettle or even a microwave, but you have an automatic drip coffee maker. You want some tea. So you have to put a clean filter in the machine if all you want is clear water. If you have an old filter in there leave it there with coffee grounds, you aren't going to get clear results, are you? The more coffee grounds in the way, such as stubborn will, Lucifer loves that one. Not. Preconceived ideas as to what the entity wants to say, expectations as to what the entity wants to say, desire to make it sound like the entity is saying something else, fear of the entity, etc. You'll not be a clear enough channel. A big obstacle is fear of any kind of possession at all. This can be because you believe everything in movies and on television horror shows, or from past religious teaching that the devil is out to get you, and that you can't trust him or demons at all. Please note that... What I'm talking about with channeling here also goes for divination. You have to, with divination, have absolutely no expectations, no desire for any particular result. You have to be open. All channeling is possession. How deep it is and how long it lasts depends on you. How much and what aspects of yourself you're willing to temporarily lend the entity and for how long. As well as what you're doing with the messages and the manner in which you convey them. Everything's up to you and the agreement you have with the entity as to how you work together. You must deal deeply only with entities that you have developed a good relationship with and trust. Start out with late meditation and being open to telepathic messages and gradually go deeper as your relationship progresses positively. Learn from demonolitors and black witches, they get into communication with various demons and have an idea as to what they're like. There are a few on YouTube and Demonic mediums as well. Although people will have certain unique experiences with a demon depending upon their relationship and the reason for connection, everyone has certain characteristics, including demons, and a personality and energy signature unique and yet consistent. So you can at least get an idea of what a particular demon is like by listening to several practitioners who genuinely deal with the entity. Certain things will always be the same. Still, you need to get to know the entity yourself because things may be a bit different in certain ways for you. Guess what? I trust Lucifer more than anyone on this planet, and I was very conditioned by extremist evangelical Christian religion in this lifetime. I was radical. You might think that the so-called devil himself would grab the chance to completely black me out 24-7, to just jump in and pin me to the physical ceiling just for kicks. Well. To be honest, that would be cool, providing he doesn't drop me. (sighs) Brandon lifted me up off the floor in 1997 before I went on the pilgrimage trip. It freaked me out. I have a terrible balance and vertigo issue due to the neuromuscular disorder, so having both feet on the floor is really important to me. It was a romantic sweet gesture, though, so... We were dancing. Reminds me of that scene in the movie Casper, but
1: not that far off the floor. Nonetheless, it freaked me out. I didn't stop trusting him, though, because I knew him.
0: How do you know that you can trust an entity? Over time, you find out how much regard they have for your well-being, your safety, and your free will. And
1: demons pretty much stick to making sure that you are going along only if you're willing. And of course, over time, you will
0: find out how honest they are being. And if they do deceive
1: you in any way, you'll find out why. Sometimes you might not be ready for a particular answer. Say if
0: you're being trained, you've got communication for quite a while with a particular demon. Let's say you're doing the Dark Ascension uh, via the clip and you're about to go into a certain cliff with a particular entity ruling that cliff and you want to get to know that entity and that entity is helping you uh, to get through
1: that particular challenge. It puts challenges forward to you. Um, you'll, You'll have to experiment and see how
0: how honest they're being with you, and and sometimes they will deceive you for the sake of testing you. Um, you have to really, really get to know them and
1: find out why they're doing what they're doing. You know, some will do things uh, just to toughen you up. Or to see what they can get away with. Depends on their personality. Think about it.
0: Some are like the class clown or that guy you know that loves playing pranks. Others
1: aren't. Lucifer doesn't prank you. Sometimes he'll say something to you that isn't
0: entirely true or maybe partly true because you're not ready to hear the entire truth or you're only getting it in steps and stages. And it only depends if you're asking him questions and you're asking him the right questions, or you're not really putting the question correctly before him at all. Now, if you piss him off, he might withdraw his presence from you and tell you fess up how you screwed up. And then, of course, uh, he'll decide whether he wants to keep working with you. What I've discovered about Lucifer, Samael, Hashitan, Satan, whatever you usually call him, is that he checks in with me, warns me if he thinks I'm getting into something too deeply, too fast, and he works with wherever I'm at. For example, I've worked with him gradually possessing me deeper at my request. I need to understand how it feels every step of the way, both for my sake and so that I can teach others more about it. It's also a method we've been using for me to get to know him again. My stubbornness frustrates him at times, but it's worth it. He always makes sure I'm ready to take things further, and that I'm actually willing.
1: The most major step after asking him to take me even deeper one night, he and Anubis made sure I got to a specific place in the astral during sleep. I
0: saw Anubis, walk toward him, and then it was like a force grabbed me from behind, Pulled me toward a wall, pressed my back up against it, slid me up the wall, and onto the ceiling so that I was looking down at the floor. I woke up a bit
1: disoriented, but thought, "Well, that was kind of different and cool." I'm not saying it didn't shake me up a bit, but it was awesome. Now, what I learned from that incident is that.
0: We on the black light side of things can get the infernal spirit, Baphomet,
1: much like Christians get the Holy Spirit, It's like a mild possession by Lucifer and Lilith.
0: I'd been through the black baptism on the other side, so I was ready for it, and it was a good thing. However, I'm also always mild possessed by what you might call a blank slate demon. No offense to him, I just simply don't know what else to describe him as.
1: It's the same as being possessed by Lucifer while he's on the other side. It acts like a proxy. Is in constant
0: telepathic communication with Lucifer, does and says exactly what Lucifer wants. It's that he's acting
1: for Lucifer. This is important to keep in mind for some things I'm going to be talking about later. But what about being an incarnate and getting possessed?
0: Part 2 Incarnates and Possession. You may be a white light incarnate, you may be a black light incarnate. What of possession then? What about possession by the Holy Spirit, so called? We certainly do need to have a balanced attitude concerning good and evil, or at least a very clear idea of what that means to us. What's an easy way to start learning to communicate with and trust? an entity, an experiment possession. Stay tuned.
1: Part 2. Possession of Incarnates. If
0: incarnate, something else can't be fully possessive without permission. So in a way, it's a safer way to be. Now usually, um, most of the time, Demonic possession is only occurring because of the will
1: and requesting it. Some instances, that's not the case, but I will get into that later. That is not the case for black magicians.
0: Uh, So in a way, it's a safer way to be. But um, certain entities will refuse to fully possess an incarnate, such as the war god of Israel. For example, you might get the Holy Spirit, but you won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're the type with medium gifts, you might get what's called the mantle of the Holy Spirit that rests upon you temporarily. This inability to be filled is highly beneficial for the infernal incarnate, although it might not seem so at the time, especially if the incarnate hasn't awakened. Because in awakening, you start to understand that you're in infernal. You might feel that your white light, you might have the option. Uh, You might be going through a stage where you realize that you're an incarnate and you don't know whether you're of white light or black light. Um,
1: I went through this stage uh, because of the type of incarnate that I am and who my father is uh, on a spiritual, eternal level. But when you first are looking for answers, you,
0: I mean, some people they know early on, especially these days, there are young people getting into black magic early in life. And they've got access to a lot of information. People like myself at the age of 57 at this time, um, nearly, um, but they don't really have the obstacles that, that we had because all we had was the public library and things you know so if you didn't know what to look for in information you're kind of screwed
1: uh there are younger people now that you know they can get through this whole process easier much faster than people my age now you might end up
0: going to church and stuff You might end up in some white light congregation somewhere. Might be a Holy Spirit-filled congregation. Charismatic, non-denominational, Pentecostal. Um, A lot of Spirit-filled people speaking in tongues, rolling around, whatever they're doing. Uh, There used to be these Kenneth Copeland back in the 80s. I don't know if they still do this. Kenneth Copeland conventions. Maybe people laughing constantly. I saw a clip from one of those conventions and somebody was on all fours being led around on a leash. That is BDSM behavior. It is not
1: Christian. And yes, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are possessed. And by the way, that Holy Spirit is not as holy as you might think. If an infernal incarnate
0: is not already with that God's spirit converting to his religions, will not hold. And regardless of how much faith the person has, they won't be going to his realm in the afterlife. Incidentally, baptism of infants is meant to remove the incarnate condition early if it's there because of the war gods continued campaign
1: to keep a stranglehold on this planet. He has these things in place where
0: people are baptized early to try and get rid of that condition.
1: He is starting to lose, however. Getting the Holy Spirit is possession, so um, it is by the same
0: species as Lucifer, but on the white light side. People think that El is God. He is not.
1: He is a seraph, a serpent. Yahweh, his son, also a serpent. You might think that he's a lot holier than he is, but he's not so-called holy.
0: Not in the way that you think, anyways. Probably far holier than anyone from the black light side, if you're thinking about being uptight and such. but. Um, you might find that as part of your training, a totally different entity entwines with you in your body for some time, but only if you allow it, and you might request it. You can learn a lot about states of being and states of consciousness when temporarily allowing a spirit you trust to share your body for a few hours or a different angel or demon or God to share your body with you along with the one you were born with in this world
1: if you are part human. Because you can be like, Have a uh, have a human soul and be an incarnate spirit, or you can be a human spirit with an incarnate soul. There's a method I call stepping in. It is a method for easy, uh, let's say, uh, being able to do a possession
0: session. Knowing and having control over when it happens,
1: how, and where uh you can feel the sensation of when it happens okay you summon the entity you know and trust well enough, ask if he or she wants
0: to body share with you to watch a movie or eat dinner, for example. If it's an entity you have sex with, you can ask if he or she wants to help you experiment with control levels via using one of your hands to masturbate you. Next time, you can give access to your other hand also, working up to implanting erotic imagery in your mind, taking complete control of your lower body, etc. Of course, that's a much more fun way of learning how to. (laughs) I've done it, and yes, it works great. Whatever it is you want to offer, how you want to learn, stand up, holding on to a countertop or a stable chair. The reason will become apparent quickly when the step-in occurs. Ask the entity to step into your body through your back. I highly recommend. You don't ask an entity to enter through the front. It feels really weird in a bad way. Going through the back, at least I've found, feels very pleasant, can actually temporarily temporarily put you in a bit of bliss for a moment. The initial step in, however, might cause you to lose balance, thus the countertop. When you're done, you ask the entity if they're ready and want to step back out, unless you both want to stay that way for a while. This is a great thing for people with spousal or romantic relationships at all with an entity. It's a very uh, intimate way to share a part of your life with them you know, give them some time
1: having food, doing some mundane activity that they normally wouldn't be able to do. There are people who do this, especially people with spousal relationships. I have a spousal relationship, and
0: and it works very well. I, I've been a spouse for billions of years kind of thing. It's, we've known each other for a very long time, so. Uh, It's important that I share time with him that way. Now, at times you will, for all intents and purposes, be that new entity temporarily if you go deep. Although really only a vessel, you're the closest thing to being that entity in this realm at that moment, like a snapshot in eternity. To what degree and how often depends on how much control you allow the entity to have. I don't advise this if you're not strong enough to be without that entity in the future let so say you don't have a um, spousal relationship. You're not in a committed long-term relationship, but you like having them around and you like spending time with them in this way. Um, you can become very attached. So it's important you also have a strong sense of self too. It'll get confusing otherwise and you might feel intensely
1: empty for a while as well after they leave. What about white light mediums and incarnates? There are people
0: bowing down to the will of what they think is God, the source. It is not. Such entities will have humans obeying a multitude of lies that make no logical or practical sense and that will not improve humanity whatsoever because they enjoy the control they have over human beings who obey them and their laws. They enslave humanity. It's like watching billions of cats Jumping on hot tin roofs that he set the fire under for the sheer entertainment value. You must have the right state of mind, the right perspective to be a medium or channel. If you believe there's only pure evil, pure good, that actions are either right or wrong, there are no gray areas in the world and life here, then you've been affected by the entities of L. That is, L and his sons yahweh etc if you manage to break free of the bondage of extremist thinking you'll be able to find more balance and freedom you'll come to the conclusion that no one's purely good or evil unless they're highly psychopathic and completely amoral or such shiny happy people that make you sick to be around because they're phony most people are only degrees of both some are more evil, some more good, some more close to the middle, depending on circumstances. Upon objective observation, we'll also come to conclusion that there's positive light and negative light, as well as positive darkness and negative darkness, and that both light and darkness can coexist in degrees that change and are not static. They switch positions in intensity and prevalence. Jehovah's newer followers from the past 2,000 years plus like to believe that light removes darkness altogether, but that's not even true of physical light. You can turn on a milder, dimmer light, be able to see well enough not to trip over something, yet not be able to read, for example. Discovering the truth of the balancing act we must all do in this world is the freedom to not need to put all concepts and beings into neat little boxes of this or that, just for the sake of trying to feel safer in this world. Discovering the truth of balance comes with the realization that putting concepts and people into neatly labeled boxes doesn't make you truly safe at all, because it's like walking through the world with blinders on while believing you have full use of peripheral vision. Walking with blinders on means that any being or circumstances can creep up on you and jump you from behind or from the sides, and that you're more likely than not to go walking off a cliff. The more blind you are, the more likely you are to try to explain away what just happened when you were metaphorically jumped. You might say, it must have been the will of God, or maybe it wasn't the will of God that blah, blah, blah. If you just actually saw something you don't believe exists, you might continue to believe it doesn't exist because you can't handle your worldview being shaken. Well, I'm in the worldview shaking business, so strap in and settle for a rough ride, dear. I show no mercy, neither by mince words nor by sickly, sweet, candy coated lullabies. To segue, you'd probably come to realize that indeed everything is made of energy. The energy doesn't die, merely it takes a different form or density of form, and may be more corporeal in this world or more corporeal in an alternate universe or realm, depending upon the physics of where you're at at the time. You might come to understand that the really alternate and parallel worlds and reality is accessible by use of various states of consciousness. If you're an incarnate, you may discover that you travel to other realms during your sleep and do things much in line with your otherworldly self. You may have dreams with symbolism and actions that align with anotherworldly entity. If you have a near-death experience, including leaving your body as an incarnate, you may find yourself in a very strange place you never heard of before or even thought was possible because the religions of humankind, especially those under Jehovah, don't teach about them. Your everyday waking life will be quite
1: different than mundane's, just due to being guided. The only way the otherworldly self can
0: have any way of moving in this world and affecting it is either via guiding you and following your following the guidance until you're completely in sync eventually, or via the otherworldly God-Self taking complete control gradually. It's possible for the otherworldly self, if you're an incarnate, to be in more control while the human self is conscious of everything and at peace with what's going on. However, if you are fully otherworldly, human and, without a human soul or a human uh, being a human spirit, but fully otherworldly in both spirit and soul, the human personality must fade into the background at some point I'm either go
1: into stasis and sleep or die altogether if willing so uh what kind of attitude and what kind of life do you want to have uh what ways can you be prepared for this kind of life that's kinda of up next
0: Part 3 The Method So, what's a good way of learning to live this way? Stay tuned. Part 3 some of my listeners may be familiar with what I call walking magic. Walking magic comes in after you gain the right mindset, enough openness and spontaneity, good enough skills and being guided, a lifestyle that lends well to working with energy, developing your character and knowing yourself and your limits to an extent, learning to work with energy and actually being able to do magic on the spot with no need for a big ritual or tools. The simple method I'm gonna teach you tonight is what you can use for being prepared for being any kind of vessel. And learning how to be an excellent vessel, you'll also gain skills that you can use for walking magic. It's so simple, yet it takes diligence. Even when you discover you didn't hear correctly, you have to keep using the method until you improve and it keeps getting better. That means you might end up looking or feeling rather silly at times, but it's all part of the process. Regardless of whether you're on the side of white light or black light, the same methods for learning to hear are useful. One method is mild possession. This is where you get if you're a Christian, but you're not filled with the Holy Spirit on the side of the white light. I first learned as a Christian in the early 1980s, and I was radical, like I said before. I wanted to be guided in his perfect will 24-7. I learned to pay attention to the odd, strange bit of instructions or a light nudge to go into a church I was walking past and never been in before, for example. And there was always a reason. When you come to understand,
1: what you come to understand is how much every incident is linked to the following instant and the one before it. What if you get the urge to walk left and you ignore it?
0: What if walking left meant you were getting out of the way of a stray bullet in a drive-by shooting?
1: What if you're told to go into a certain building and in doing so you meet someone you need to know? You don't know until you experiment. That means being open to hearing,
0: actively listening, and then obeying those nudges and little urges to go here or there and simple instructions. I'm not saying that you should get hung up on every little thing that you do, don't do, say, or don't say. That can and does happen when you're truly dedicated to your process and path, so you need to watch out for it. You can almost become overly diligent to the point of nearly obsessive-compulsive attitude and behavior, and that's not good either. It's important to keep balanced and don't be too sloppy in practice, nor overly detail-oriented. I took that training into working with the Grand Master in 1991 and onward for years. That I had the experience under the so-called Holy Spirit. And now
1: with a spirit guide, a day, almost a decade later, uh, I started working with the Grand Master in 91.
0: And one day I was following his guidance and he nudged me to go to the public library. I didn't know why. The whole point is that you do it anyway. He guided me to cassette tapes that were on sale. Krishnamurti on one of them. Now, if you listen to Krishnamurti's material, you know Bruce Lee's teachings at all. You're going to find that it resonates. Another was Mantak Chia. Mantak Chia is a Taoist energy master. I didn't know that until I brought them home. Another day, I went to the library and suddenly found myself in a part of the library I didn't go to consciously. My head was then encouraged gently toward a certain direction and my eyes to a specific book. I was at least a yard away, if not further. The greenish-blue cover was all I was attracted to.
1: I knew I was supposed to borrow it and I had no idea why. I noticed it was called the Dragon Empress i never heard of her. So I took it home, opened the cover, and there was a quote there that sounded exactly like something I would say. The Grandmaster confirmed that, indeed, that was one of my past incarnations. So how do you do this? With an entity you're learning to trust and have gotten to trust a good deal, go for a stroll, or a
0: roll if you're in a wheelchair, and ask the entity to guide you. Don't do anything obviously dangerous. Live in that state
1: 24-7 when ready. Don't do it with more than one entity when you are training. Don't switch entities several days into it. Pick one you resonate with. If you get to
0: know them and they're willing to teach you in this manner, go for it and stick to it. Let that entity be your guide. I did it for a couple of years with the Grandmaster before the second guide came, and the first had said he was preparing me for him within the first month of connection with him, even though that second one wasn't yet dead. How I met my first guide, Grandmaster Lee, is a whole
1: story on its own. It was via a vision quest-like experience that changed my life forever. So that's how you work with what you might call the method for preparing. What about demonic possession itself?
0: Demonic possession. Difference between Getting possessed because you're an idiot, or getting possessed because you're a black magician. What's the difference in what's actually going on? Stay tuned. What of demonic possession? Anyone who has seen a possession-type horror movie is familiar with this scenario. What you might not understand is what is exactly going on. You see a movie where a Catholic priest and a lower-level priest or second priest is with him, and they're going to do an exorcism. They demand the demon's name, and nine times out of ten, the demon gives a name of a heavy hitter, a very high-ranking prince or king or queen, for example. All high-ranking infernal royalty have lower-level demons working for them with a special ability to be perfect proxies for that infernal prince, king, queen, etc. Because, mentioning earlier, the blank slate types. They're in constant contact with that royal entity. They do exactly what the royal would do, say exactly what the royal wants them to say.
1: So, when that priest is ordering the name of that entity, usually what they're getting is that lower level entity claiming to be that higher level
0: entity because they're there as a proxy. That priest is really needing to get the permission from the actual Royal to kick out that demon. According to Lucifer, that lower level demon has the right to be there. That's how priests make mistakes and end up tossed out windows or tripped going downstairs. If I'm not mistaken, the veteran exorcist Malachi Martin was eventually tripped up going downstairs and died from his injuries. He screwed something up. What exactly, I don't know. Perhaps because he sometimes dealt with what he called perfectly possessed individuals and royalty, he pissed someone off and made just enough of a mistake to give an opportunity to take him out. In order to get possessed by such an entity, Unless you have an arrangement with the royal, and are at least a black magician, or infernal incarnate, or both, you opened a door. Perhaps you played with a Ouija board, using no safeguards, and with no experience whatsoever working the spiritual demons. Perhaps you're a mundane, not magically inclined at all, but you like living on the edge. Your idea of a good time is... Hanging out in haunted, abandoned buildings or severely demon-affected houses, such as the one Amityville Horror was, for example. Perhaps you film whatever goes bump in the night. You go home after one of your supposedly brave expeditions and find out too late that you're having serious problems. You start hearing knocking inside your walls, footsteps
1: up and down the stairs, even though you don't have stairs, and objects aren't where you left them at all. So things have been moved.
0: Perhaps it keeps keeps escalating and objects are now being thrown around your bedroom.
1: Just a bit of a segue here. Don't be a dumb fuck and get a Dybbuk box just to open for kicks or out of curiosity. If a spirit is in a Dybbuk box, it might be there because it's violent
0: and hates humans. Demons are like anyone else in that some are assholes, okay?
1: The difference is that they're
0: smarter and more powerful than you are, and unless you have clear sight, you can't see that that guy's about to throw a knife at your head. Lesson for the night, don't be a dumb fuck when it comes to demons. Okay, back to the topic. So, you're now in this infestation kind of phase of possession where you have knocking in the walls, etc. and you might go a bit nuts too, become emotionally unhinged, especially if what's happening is starting to scare the shit out of you. Black magicians are accustomed to this paranormal activity and the energy that causes it from the entities that are uh, from universe B are this intense black light energy. They're used to it. Some lower level entities are from here and they're not the ones that you want to work with. They can cause problems. But demons do have a certain signature type, and each demon has a personal energy signature. It's intense. Either way, it leaves residual energy. If you get a group of novices with literal or no experience who happen to successfully summon a real heavy hitter, or maybe even an experienced black coven regularly does such summoning in a space, that energy isn't cleared, it stays and you end up with poltergeist activity some black magicians don't care and don't bother clearing the space after the entity left in order to clear residual energy this can be because the magician's really comfortable with it sometimes it's because they feel it's rude to do so there are experienced magicians who don't use a circle or even have they even have an open door policy with certain entities however that individual trust them, get a relationship with them. I have an open-door policy with my royal family, my familiars, and my guards. I know they might send someone for some reason, and that's fine too. When I was going from degree 4.0 to 5.0, an entity was messing around with a digital clock on my stove so that I would interpret the numerological symbolism used. When such activity occurs in our case, in the Black Magician's case, there's a reason for it. The point is, there's a real relationship between the magician and the entity summoned. It's not like some stranger walking into a strange place and poking a bear just for kicks. The odd possession that occurs otherwise, due to mundanes going into haunted places, etc., well, there's no specific reason for it except to grab a vessel and take it for a joyride. Think of it like some kid stealing her daddy's Maserati for kicks. It's always lower-level demons that are there because they're attracted to the residual energy. However, some residual energy, according to Azazel, is there because of successful summonings of very high-ranking infernals. The summoners leave the premises, and some poor, unsuspecting family moves in, and the energy is so intense and so foreign, it can terrify, and that terror feeds it, and it gets stronger. Certain entities, such as Azazel, or Lucifer, or Belial, for example, might actually leave such intense black energy, black light energy, that the new inhabitants become murderous. That's not because that energy is evil, it's just that it's very foreign to humans. Then any survivors move out, and Joe Mundane decides to go on his little expedition. Now, what Lucifer is now interjecting to this scenario is that what happens next is now there's not only the original residual energy, but amplified violent and death energies, and Joe Mundane just walked into a shitstorm of
1: problems. If someone is naturally telekinetic at all as well, then you end up with a perfect feedback loop. Now, when Lucifer came here and shook my bed, what might seem like
0: an unevoked sudden manifestation phase or first stage of possession, there was a good reason for it. More than one, actually. He was like a reluctant possessor. First, he had to charge the sperm to make sure he would always be with me and that I'd come out physically at the right time. So that spark itself from him was possession. So I've always been mildly possessed so
1: that I would develop as an incarnate in order to help me to develop and awaken. Then the bed shaking. Decades later,
0: he felt he had no choice but to do something dramatic. It was unfortunate, according to his perspective, that another possession stage was occurring. In human cases, it would have been the first stage, but being an incarnate and him being the spark, that was my second stage. He was pissed off because I was shunning my family, even though I didn't know it, because I was tossing all my protection out the window as a royal and didn't know that. Because I was being treasonous. Because the family put a whole lot of work into me and I was rejecting them like it didn't mean anything. Because I was basically spitting in the faces of the entities I have known for billions of years and didn't know it. Because he wanted to make a point that I couldn't mistake for anything that wasn't paranormal. Etc. He was even more pissed off than when Mahalath and I set the watchers free ahead of schedule. Back in 2003 or 2004, if I recall. Sure, it was like a scene from a horror movie with my bed shaking, but how else was I going to eventually understand? It took a whole lot of
1: energy for him to come through the veil and to do that, but he did it. Can you trust the devil himself? Well, that depends on your
0: relationship. If he likes you, he will appear to you in a way that you can handle, in a form that you can handle. If you get to know him and you develop a good relationship with him because he actually likes you, He'll reveal himself in other ways. He'll help you know him better if he wants you to know him. If he shows up looking like an angel of light claiming to be the leader of Orion and of the Nordic blonde aliens, he either thinks you have potential but you're not ready yet to know him, or he hates your guts. If you're one of the statists who thinks Lucifer is all about racism, sac- racial segregation, neo-Nazism, etc., he will feed you the bullshit you deserve. Now, the more like the entity you are, the more in sync you'll be anyway. Your personality's not always going to be a lot like that other entity, but if it is, then that's even better. The entity is less likely to be pissed off that you're not being exact word for word. Sometimes, for someone who isn't a full deep trance medium, if you get the gist of what the entity is saying, and
1: it still means the same thing the entity is saying, but worded differently, that can work too. Of course that sort of arrangement works best if you're working
0: with an entity you work with regularly and you both know and trust one another over time with practice i wouldn't have gone on my pilgrimage guided by brandon and bruce lee in 1997 if i didn't already have years of experience hearing them and getting to know and trust them if you're the type of medium that takes great risks like i did traversing a foreign country with no map reading ability Autistic, geographic, topographic agnosia—you can get lost in your
1: own neighborhood. You'd better be able to accurately hear your guides. That involves some kind of wild possession, even perfect possession.
0: Part five. What are the stages of demonic possession? Or any kind of possession? Especially demonic possession. And what exactly is perfect possession? And why do people call it perfect? What is perfect? It means something different to humans and it does to demons. Stay tuned. stages of possession. According to most, the first stage of possession by any spirit or entity is manifestation. That's when the
1: entity shows up when summoned, or in my case, to shake the crap out of my bed. Second stage is infestation,
0: a term I personally hate in some cases is not all demons are like pestilence. That's the poltergeist activity stage that magicians are quite accustomed to, and Some clear the residual energy, while others don't. The third stage is mounting, wherein the entity struggles for control.
1: It can be very uncomfortable. The fourth stage is riding, wherein the entity takes complete control and you take the back seat. And the fifth stage is perfect possession. That is body sharing, full time. Now, I'm sort of in that fifth stage with Lucifer by that definition.
0: But there's far more freedom of movement. And I'm very interested in anybody's story if you've got something to
1: say about in and being an incarnate and being perfectly possessed, what it is like for you. I'm fully an infernal myself in this body. So, it's rather interesting how this is going. We haven't converged or merged. To me, it feels like mild possession. Seriously. It's like riding didn't
0: happen. Ending up on the ceiling and the astral was fine by me, but I'm so accustomed to paranormal activity my entire life that certain things are more easy to deal with for me, most likely, you know? I've been so united with Lilith and Lucifer for so long, anyway, even before this incarnation, that just them showing me it's happening all along. I learned the term perfect possession when reading some of Malachi Martin's written work. He said in a nutshell it's intensely evil, as that's how he viewed all demons. That the individual in that particular condition was so by
1: will. He was right about the latter. No black magicians are perfectly possessed if not willing to be so.
0: The definition of the term may be up for some debate, however, at term, perfect possession.
1: What does the practitioner consider to be perfect? What does a demon consider to be perfect? Now, this might seem like nitpicking,
0: but how we use words is important in order to communicate effectively. The receiver must know what the transmitter means by certain terms. For that matter, So how do demons define the term perfect possession? Has anyone at tell this time actually bothered to ask them?
1: The ultimate dream of some demons is not to body share, but to be in complete control. That which is
0: typically described as writing. The ultimate dream is someone in love with a demon, and that demon is in love with them, if there is no suitable
1: other human embodied vessel for the demon is what most would list the stages of possession in definition as perfect possession. Sharing the real estate, experiencing life together
0: in the same body, even becoming one. However, if my experience is sharing my physical vessel, it doesn't have to be constant. And this may be because I'm an incarnate. It can be constant companionship and a to-and-fro dance between what magicians would consider to be states of invocation and evocation with little or no effort whatsoever. What a demon considers to be perfect really depends on the relationship and what both parties want and need, according to Lucifer.
1: What I'm describing herein is what most would call riding, but full-time complete takeover. Nobody really talks about this. What most call writing,
0: I am calling this perfect possession, in the view of certain demons. It can be either part-time or constant until the death of the vessel. If the individual is an incarnate, technically there would be a two-step process for this. Because first that God self gets to the point of taking over and does so. So that the human personality can sleep or even die. Then the incarnate would have to get to the point of wanting to switch places with a different entity, which of course makes no sense anyway. Like, Why come here in the first place if you're just going to switch out? An incarnate had a mission. Going through the whole process to come forth and be who they are, and that can take decades, depending on who they are and their life here. So, why give up the whole mission? According to Lucifer, the only exception is if an infernal incarnate with a crucial mission specific to a very particular time in history for some reason fails or something terrible happens to make his or her going forward with it impossible then what Satania the goddess as channeled through Satania Coven has referred to as forcing the miracle can occur. It must happen if there simply is not enough time to raise up another incarnate. And to take that person's place and if there are no other truly viable options that individual in realizing they have failed may give up in order to allow that entity that they are an incarnate of to completely and utterly take over and this is where it is like the entity is coming through the veil
1: themselves rather than sending a blank slate demon and completely takes over that is for a very very special mission very important position at a very specific
0: time otherwise in other cases it would be human soul or spirit complex giving a human soul and spirit complex giving the body to a demon whether lower or higher in rank, purposely. Now, I'm about to talk about suicide for a bit, so you might just want to fast forward if you can't handle listening to it. It may be a walk-in situation wherein the person has given up life altogether, doesn't want to suicide, rather calls upon a particular demon to take over. Unlike the scenario with Joe Mundane opening a door by dabbling or going into a haunted place and getting jumped, a walk in involving someone from Universe B must be specific in whom takes over.
1: And that would be a full time, constant, forever, while in the body is alive deal. In that case, because
0: technically the person's still alive, they aren't going to have him carry the same karmic debt that outright suicides do. Now, I know there are people out there who say, oh, suicide's fine, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. No, it ain't. It's fine if you want to come back tortured and tormented into another life and go through the whole cycle again
1: or end up stuck in in between realms or something. Okay? When I was training on the other side, before I knew I was an incarnate, and I was training during sleep um, in the uh, different realms of the underworld. And I was in this astral place where this guy was going to blow his brains out with a shotgun, and I had to stop him. I had to warn him that it was a really bad idea. Now, just in case you think it's a great way out,
0: you need to know and consider that it's permissible for a demon. To manipulate you into that state, which is a good reason why getting to know the entities you work with is so important. Another reason for going through with becoming perfectly possessed in this manner of perfect possession is a deep love and devotion for the entity, and it's usually also as a sacrifice for the sake of the infernal empire and its advancement, according to Lucifer. Someone may do so permanently, like the one who's suicidal, but that's less common. Usually, it's temporary. Earlier, I mentioned that Lucifer has permission to black me out if he doesn't uh, think that I can deal with whatever it is he's needing to do. So, if he deems it appropriate to do so, he could black me out. Now, maybe because he needs to talk to somebody in a language I don't know and that what I would most likely stumble over in pronunciation. Or maybe he wants and needs complete privacy when talking to someone through me, or simply needs to do something he can't do without a willing vessel and it's easier to get me. To shut down take a back seat now i trust him not to get me into trouble legally etc i simply don't want to be in his way if he needs to use me that way getting me to the point where i'm able to give in to that extent spontaneously may be difficult i don't know because it hasn't happened yet so in my case it would be perfect possession temporarily any Full deep trance medium who completely blacks out is perfectly possessed temporarily or being ridden, depending on your definition of perfect possession, by the entity, regardless of species. That is, whether you're a species from Universe B or you're a disembodied spirit or what you happen to be. Okay. Using that medium. It seems to me that whomever came up the list of stages wasn't considering mediums, channels, religious rituals such as voodoo. Or, of course, the incarnate phenomena, which most people, even religious people, know nothing about. Now, you might be wondering like I was, what about criminals who commit crimes and use the devil made me do it? Excuse. Obviously, some make such a claim because they're willing to lie in order to get out of the future in supermax. They prefer to end up in a high security psychiatric section of prison. The other question is concerning genuine mental illness. And perfect possession. Lucifer is telling me that it's impossible because, in the case of genuine mental illness, such as that which causes delusions and other psychotic symptoms, the individual is incapable, even legally so in the eyes of legal systems in the West, of having capacity to give free will. lastly they are not able to make the deal for such a high level and deep possession.
1: Perhaps the most obvious reason that a person would become perfectly possessed in this manner of
0: total riding, long-term is in using a pact with a particular demon who is willing to do it on a quid pro quo basis. In that case, the magician would find a demon specializing in something that they really want and or need, and if the demon is willing, they get into the pact. The magician offers the demon full use of the vessel in exchange for whatever they
1: want, and The demon's willing and able to give it. So, the term vessel, to sum up, it can apply to the body,
0: brain, etc. In a case of perfect possession, it can refer to the body, brain, etc. of an incarnate in a temporary manner, if the incarnate is also a medium or channel, giving messages on behalf of another entity. It can refer to an entirely human person in and of themselves, whether temporarily or long term, if allowing an entity or entities to give messages through them or even use their physical vehicle and energy system in any way possible. In the latter case, the medium may go very deep and black out, or like me, a medium and channel, give into the entity to varying degrees depending on the message and the extent that the entity requires to do so. The term vessel also applies to someone being guided by an entity into an incarnate. That is either a spark or carries a secondary spark for protection, awakening, and ascension assistance, since the main entity is still on the other side. Of course, an incarnate also is developed by an otherworldly entity possessing the male human in order to charge the sperm, and thus there is the spark of the entity charging the sperm. In that case, the incarnate is automatically, at least in part, possessed by that entity who the sperm. The verse of Lucifer has also said it's possible for the female to be possessed and the eggs charged without sperm.
1: Now that's interesting to think about. The incarnate is then the vessel of an entity who has charged the sperm
0: or the eggs themselves. And the mother carrying the eggs is the vessel of birth for the incarnate. And the one who charged the sperm is a vessel of
1: that life-giving energy of that charge. I hope that you have found this interesting. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode on vessels and mediumship channeling. And of course, that includes the topic of demonic possession in its various stages and types how it happens, what to avoid, kind of life and attitudes that helps to make it much easier to live this way. If you have any questions about tonight's topic or any other topic that I have talked about in the podcast, please do drop them off on the Anchor Podcast or the YouTube channel for Emissary Zariel, the Draconian Order of Black Magi. Or there is a group on Facebook, the LHP um, Left Hand Path Forums Group. I'm going to be changing that soon so that it is for the podcast and give people an opportunity to ask questions and such there. So I hope that you have a great evening or day, whatever it is. Good night. Darkest blessings to you. Remember that the next one is going to be on Saturday, May 7th, 11, 11, p.m. Pacific. See you on the
1: other side.